Alrighty, welcome in everybody to Sound of the Loons. Of course, we've got this podcast presented to you by Alina Health Orthopedics. And we are going to have a Minnesota United guest joining us later, Sean Buckley, the strength and conditioning, fitness extraordinaire, sports scientist. You know, we, we'll go through all the names and titles that and things that he covers, even a little sports psychology in there as well. But now I get to be joined by Andrew Wiebe, the one and only, which I'm sure you've heard a thousand times over on the tremendous podcast that they do every single week, multiple times a week, extra time radio with MLS. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. One and only, tremendous. Just keep it going, Kendra. <laughs> you got to have some more adjectives in there that uh, that can describe what we do now. I really appreciate it. For those of you that don't listen to Extra Time, I know you love the Loons. I know you love Minnesota United. We're doing it for the entire league. So if you're looking for a place, whether you're doing dishes, on your commute, whatever it is, to just get that twice a week, like what the heck is going on in MLS? I need to know. We are that place. So uh, we love the league. We love the loons. Uh, we're looking for a little bit more from the loons this year, but I'm sure we'll talk about that, Kendra. We will. We'll break that down, you know, a little breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of uh, the Minnesota United, the moves, the roster, last season, what what season number seven holds for them, um, how they did in the first six seasons. I think oh that – uh, Season seven. Can I just stop? I know, right? <laughs> I remember being in the Twin Cities about this time of year, actually – uh, before the first season, I wrote a long form on like the origins of soccer culture in Minnesota, went and played. I see the snow behind you, went and played soccer on like a field surrounded by snow. Uh, one of my core memories, uh, really, really joyful memories as well. And I was there for the opening of Allianz Field, too. Yep. So I've had some good Minnesota times. It's crazy. Yeah, and there was Seven snow. Years. There was snow there for that, too. You know, we I think we yeah. had to plow the, the field off for. Uh, the Allianz Field opener. And then, of course, we all know the snow opener at what was then TCF Bank Stadium, um, where the Gophers play. Oh, my goodness. It was an orange ball. We had the orange ball. Yeah, it was it was a lot. It was snow. It's it's Minnesota in January. Although you were here for, I believe, the also the U.S. Men's National Team game against Honduras uh, in February. And the All-Star so. game, too. So I've experienced both. For those of yeah. you in Minnesota or at a resort in Mexico now, I know how you do it up north. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the, uh, I love the climate. I love the place, especially in the summer. I don't think I could live there, but all power to you. You're strong inside and out. Yeah. That's what everybody talks about. It's just a Midwest kind of vibe, this Midwest strong. I mean, we've got hockey day in Minnesota this weekend and they play on outdoor rinks here and it's supposed to be like negative 10, you know, with a high of zero. So we'll see how that goes. But after you've experienced, you know, U.S. men versus Honduras on February 2nd last year, you can love and appreciate the the outdoor climate here and bundling up. It's all mental exercise, right? At least that's what you guys would tell <laughs> Until me. Until the crossbite sets in. Yeah, it's, it's physical <laughs> for me too. But uh, all right, let's talk in the last. You ready to do it? Yes, let's do this. I think the most important thing is I cannot believe that the season is upon us. I mean, literally, when you see these guys and all the tweets from the teams and everybody funneling back in the first week in January, coming off with a sick World Cup and a World Cup final, which took up our holidays right over Thanksgiving and Christmas after an MLS Cup final that was absolutely nuts and insane um, in, in L.A. Uh, with LAFC versus Philadelphia. Then we go into the World Cup. Then we're like right back in it again with the preseasons underway, preseason games underway, which we think, you know, we sort of kind of know, but we don't stream. Some do, some don't. You're getting you don't get lineups. You're not really sure what's going on. But at the end of the day, it's about the excitement of the 2023 season. Look, this is the best time of year, I think, for every supporter in MLS. And 
uh, I'll pull the curtain back on extra time a little bit. Our best like viewed, listened, consumed episodes happen right now. And it's because this league, unlike so many others around the world, I mean, hope springs eternal, literally in spring, early spring, you know, under the snow in Minnesota, whatever your climate is, everybody has legitimate reason to believe you're in the middle of this transfer window. And by the way, that transfer window extends to May and MLS. So there's this big wide swath of time that teams can improve, but everybody's looking around saying, why not us? Why couldn't this be our year? If you're Minnesota, you're like, we didn't play up to our potential last year. We had, you know, we had a great six to eight weeks where we thought we were the class of the league. And then it sort of petered off a little bit in the playoffs. It was round one and out once again, but we've got Reynoso. We've got, look at these rumors in the press. We're going to get a number nine, maybe a winger as well. We're going to get this center back from Mexico. Like, why not us? And that is literally every single team. St. Louis City SC hasn't played a, a single game in this league, and they believe it as well. At the end of every season, I'm one of those people who is like, okay, I need a break. I would just, you know, this consumes my life. And thank, thankfully it does consume my life. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose it any other way, but you grind through a full season with 29 teams or last year, 28 It changes every year. We're just trying to keep up and you're like, okay, I just need a breather. Like I love MLS. I love soccer. I love just living and dying this every week, but I need a breather right now, basically after the new year's, is when my brain goes, okay, okay, breather over. Like, let's let's do this. Let's see the games. Let's get on the field. Let's test our theories. All these takes that we have, all these opinions that we've been bouncing around, all these sort of curiosities and projections about transfer targets. Like, I want to see it on the field. And we're almost there. We are so close. It is January 25th as we record this. We are officially a month away from the very first Opening game. day. Mm-hmm. And look, do I want more teams to stream their preseason games? I do. Do I want to overreact to those things and and be like, yo, RSL beat LAFC. They're going, LAFC are flopping. Yeah, I do. Um, But I can be patient and I can wait. And I'm extremely happy this year that uh, for myself and for so many others, it it was a little complicated to watch MLS in the past. You had different platforms, different channels, different everything else. MLS season pass is going to make this extremely simple. Mm -hmm. One place, every game, no blackouts, done and dusted. We're all used to streaming by now. I don't even have cable at my house. Everything, everything I consume is by streaming. Um, I, I am, I am really excited for this season, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to get going. Yeah, and it's crazy because you talk about how you kind of take that time to sort of rejuvenate, rest, rejuvenate. And I think everybody in MLS does that at every level, whether you're consuming it as a fan, whether you're working for a club, whatever it might be. But because the World Cup is in the middle there, you know, you're still keeping track of who's playing for what country, who's representing, who from the league is playing in this World Cup. And then those guys are coming back and trying to get I know Dane St. Clair came in a little bit later for Minnesota United just to give him a proper break after the World Cup in Qatar. So I think, too, it was like we were blessed with this World Cup in the midst of what normally is our time off. So you could sort of consume it for fun rather than as as a job. But at the same time, it just continued to amp up the excitement for what this year looks like. And the parity in this league is what makes that excitement, what what why it makes hope spring eternal for every single supporter, fan, club player in this league is because of the parity that has been built away with the way the league has been built. I mean, look, Cincinnati was out here collecting wooden spoons. You know, it's like you go to your grandma's kitchen. She's got the wooden spoon hanging on the wall, like eat here, like home is where (laughs) the heart is. You know, all the kitschy memorabilia, like Cincinnati were collecting wooden spoons. And then they last year were one of the most exciting teams in the entire league. Things can change quickly. 
MLS expertise goes a long way. And I think that you saw that happen with Minnesota as well from their first years until now. They've sort of built that institutional knowledge of what it takes to get uh, to be successful, whether it be on sort of the logistical side, whether it be on the transfer side, the interleague market side. I mean, every team, like you could go through DC United, terrible last year, just terrible. And you feeling Wayne good about Rooney. him this year? You feeling good about him? I mean, him I feel much better. Their floor is way higher. Wayne Rooney and co are out here just sort of collecting quietly veteran pieces in MLS. And then they went outside the league. Mateus Click is going to be a really good DP for them. I believe Christian Benteke didn't get very much sort of pub and hype last year, but it's, it's Christian Benteke. Like if you give him service in Major League Soccer, the man is going to score 15 to 20. You know, you could go all up and down. And, th- and that goes back to what I was saying. There's a reason to be excited. There's a reason to believe that when you watch a game, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's what I like about sports. That's what I love about soccer is that unknown of turning a game on and saying, look, I have some preconceived notions. We have the narratives we've established in preseason. Let's put it to the test. Now, who's going to be the laminator of 2023? And that's like, you know, I don't know if you're, I don't know if the folks around there know the joke, but like Austin FC, I hear laminating predictions. (laughs) <laughs> and when they do better, they're holding it up. They're like, look it up. Who's going to be the laminator? Who's going to get doubted? And then at the end of the year, Montreal was another one of them. Be like, can't believe you guys didn't see this. We saw it. We believed. Uh, and, and you know, look, that goes a long way in this league. And every team is getting deeper, too. So when you get to see that depth, and it's going to be tested this year, uh, you, you're going to see teams maybe compete on multiple fronts or put their eggs in one basket and say, this is where we're trying to go, whether that be League's Cup or the League or Open Cup, whatever it is. Uh, go get that trophy, man. Everybody, well, everybody should believe they can do it. Well, and everybody wants some sort of silverware. And that's been, always been the big thing. Yes, the big prize at the end of the day, at the end of the season, of course, MLS Cup and, and hoisting that. But there's always the supporter shield and there's always that debate about, you know, what what shows more about the quality of the team, the supporter shield winner, the MLS Cup. And also with the Leaks Cup thrown in there, I mean, that's a massive piece of the puzzle this summer. What a fantastic competition that the league has you know, joined with League MX to provide this opportunity, this platform where they literally are taking a break from the MLS schedule for this ginormous chunk of time to have this competition. What do you think that League's Cup does for MLS? What does it say about the competition, the partnership? Will the competition and the competitive nature and sort of the rivalry be as strong as we think it will be? Or do we think that stems more from like USA, Mexico? How do you see this playing out? I mean, it better be heated. It, it better be competitive. And I don't say that in the sense of like, oh, man, you better get on the side of League's Cup. You better love League's Cup. Like, if you are a coach or a player in this league and you have a full break from MLS action and the only thing that you have to focus on is this outside competition with three CONCACAF Champions League spots against your biggest country-to-country rival, an opportunity to get experience and to get wherewithal in case you are in CONCACAF Champions League, an opportunity just to prove that you're better. If that doesn't get you going, I'm, I'm I like straight up. Say it's your whoever. If if, they, if that person exists in MLS, I would say it straight to their face. Find a different job. Like that's that's come on. Are you your whole basis of being a professional in this game is to be competitive. We are giving you a window to be as competitive as you can be to try to punch Liga Mex in the mouth. And maybe yeah. I'm it, I, like. We should, we should be out here trying to prove that our progress, our league, our players, our coaches, our game is better every single time. And in CCL, we see the same teams. 
we see the top tier. We see the teams that finish one through four. We see the Gigantes in Mexico. We see Tigres and Monterrey and America. We Okay, so Minnesota, you got Puebla. Mm-hmm. You got Chicago cross-conference. You telling me, Minnesota United, that you're not looking at that group thinking we should top – you should be thinking we should top the group. And if well, and you don't, aren't going to come out and play that way, what are we doing? Yeah, and don't you think, too, um, the fact that the league made this such a priority in taking a month off of the regular schedule? Because otherwise, in the past – and that's not to say that other competitions, other tournaments, U.S. Open Cup and whatnot – don't have a, an important piece to the puzzle, but usually so, yeah. But you're always, always trying to navigate the right? load on the players and the health of yeah. the players and who is playing when and what. And like this, this is like a a monumental sort of shift in that dynamic in the sense that the focus can be put here during this time with League's Cup. I guess that's what I'm saying too, and I think you sort of guided me into it. Well, it's just, there's no excuse. Like you can't point to the weekend and be like, look, we had to play the second team. You can't point to another competition and say, we just couldn't afford to prioritize this. Like, and that's the beauty of it to me is that we're all sort of taking a breather, you know, let your league, let your league form stand, let your league records. Here's where you are in the standings. Here's where you are in other competitions, put it all into this. And for some teams that maybe are scuffling a little bit in the league, we see runs change, you know, late season, uh, summer runs change fates in the most all the time. Maybe this is a momentum push. Okay, all of a sudden you found your form in League's Cup. You made a deep run. You had this sort of like coming together moment. Boom, let's transfer that into MLS as well. I just think that anytime you get a Mexican team on the field and an American or Canadian team on the field, we've seen it in CCL. We see it in international play. There is an inherent intensity to those games that is different from games inside the league, which is not to say that games inside MLS don't have an intensity. It's just a different intensity, a different competitiveness, a different mindset. You know, we joke about uh, getting CONCACAF all the time in CCL. There's just a different flavor to this. And that different flavor, that different quality, that different style of play from Liga MX teams is only going to improve our teams. You know, iron sharpens iron, et cetera. Like we need as much experience as we can get. And what really gets me going is now, instead of it just being top four teams against top four teams, we see Monterey, Seattle all the time. We see Tigres, Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Puebla, Minnesota, Chicago, Mazatlan, Juarez, DC United. Every team has the opportunity to enter into this sort of continental play and prove themselves and create a legacy and, 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 you know, create stories because that's what this sport, that's what sports in general is built upon. It's stories. And this is just going to be another place to have uh, really wonderful stories told and for all of us to experience it together. Yeah. And I think all of us experience is experiencing is it together is, is part of that streaming service, right? We can talk about the MLS season pass. And the, again, the fact that these games are going to be available, everybody's going to be able to see them. You're not going to be searching to try to figure out where they're at, when they're at, what time they're going on. And I do think there's always an edge when you play the league MX teams. And we've seen it time and time again, at just about every level. And there's always this sort of battle going on about which league is better. And now you get to put it on the field. There's no more yeah. chatter. There's no more talk. This is where you, you, this is why you play the game. You know, it's that famous quote, I believe it was Herm Edwards you know, or whatever it was, it was like, this is why you play the games. You play the games because this is where, you know, you can really make a name for yourself. This is where the league can prove that they can be better on a consistent basis. And, and at the end of the day, it's about the competition and the quality. And I think that the guys are going to rise up to this and knowing that they have a break from their regular league games, they'll even have a different mindset possibly in an intensity going into it um, for each and every single match. So I'm looking forward to that. And once the, the groups were announced, 
I think, you know, you saw all the teams tweeting about who's in their group and kind of what they're looking forward to while they're in the midst of their preseason, trying to look ahead and plan for that July, August tournament. But then when you look specifically at the conferences, how they wrapped up in 2022 and what they look like, what they've maybe done in the off season, what kind of transfer tracker we have going on, which I know you guys break down in depth on extra time. But when you look specifically, it's sort of just like broad strokes. Who do you think needed to make the most moves? Who do you think came out on the plus side of things heading into this preseason? And not all rosters are final. We know there's still a lot of movement and announcements being made, but was there anybody when it, you just sort of gloss over it? You're like, wow, that was, that was huge. I think Orlando to me right now is the team that jumps off the page. You know, it's a team last year. We talk about the importance of winning silver where they've been just starving for it for a long time. Finally got the open cup last year. They push into uh concaf champions. League, have a very difficult draw in champions. League. I believe Tigris is their round of 16 opponent. And that is a, uh, <laughs> it don't get much, It doesn't get any harder than that, <laughs> but then they go out, they get a new DP Martino Heda, who really has exploded in the last year in Argentina. They kept their captain. In Pereira, they got Gallese back in goal. Shaq Muhammad is a great draft pick for them. A couple other good draft picks as well. Just picked up two left backs, a Brazilian and a Petrasso from Toronto FC. And then they just, they're about to announce a U22 winger slash forward. Uh, it, it just, there's so much business that they've gotten done in this window. And there was a moment in time where they needed turnover. It was sort of an older team. You had Nani leading the Lions, et cetera. Daryl DK had his moment that he was sold. I just think they've done a really good job with the resources that they have. I've been very impressed by Philadelphia recently. They were not a team that was active inside MLS in the trade window within the league. And I think they realized last year, okay, we need more depth and we need more quality depth. And they've gone out and they've gotten Perea to, to help in the midfield. It looks like they'll get Torres from Montreal to help up top. And then in the attacking side of the midfield as well, they went and got Damian Lowe from Miami. He's going to be among the best third center backs in the league. This is a team that was on the brink of a shield on the brink of a cup. Didn't get either. And that kills them. I know it kills them. Now they have the depth to compete on all these different fronts that we're talking about. I'd throw Houston out as one, you know, DC the same. Let's be fair. Bad teams last year, bad seasons. They raised their floor. I don't know how high their ceiling is, but they raised their floor for Charlotte. I think their ceiling just got a lot higher. Enzo Copetti, the DP from Argentina, record signing for them. That is what they needed. Christian Latanzio, go make it happen. And then you just always have to point out that the champions got better. LAFC, they haven't sold any of their young South American players. That could yet happen. They re-sign Hollingshead. They go get Aaron Long. They go get a $5.5 million winger who we barely even talked about. They get out of the Gareth Bale. I, would, I don't know if it's a headache. You know, Props to Gareth. He's out playing in the Pro-Am at Torrey Pines. That's awesome for him. That's what he wants to do. But they still, LAFC have a DP spot open, people. They have a, they're, the, they're the double winners. They have a DP spot open. Um, I just think this offseason has been a, a really fun one in terms of the profile that teams are signing. And if you go listen to Extra Time 2, you know that on our last show, we did a long segment on the homegrowns that are going to take a step up in the league this year. Um, there are just a lot of different ways to improve your roster in this league. And I see a lot of teams being ambitious and getting after trying to be better in 2023. Well, and I think what last year proved to a lot of people and specifically about the MLS Cup finals that you can build your team different ways. It doesn't have to be all about splashing money all over the place. It's still like you're going to splash money and it has to be done in the right ways, in the right time, in the right manner, with the right players, with the right chemistry. 
in the right system. And then you have a Jim Curtin who has, and they, they spend money. I know their ownership gets upset and, and a little irritated when they don't talk about what, how they spend their money, but they spent their money all on the Academy. That's where they put their money is into the Academy to be able to develop players that are going to play for the first team and then eventually be sold. And then you have Dallas who has all this Academy product, but doesn't necessarily even touch the field for the first team. They get sold down, but what are they replacing those quality players, the Academy players with? So I think there's different ways to build the team, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the product on the field. It comes down to how they fit together, the philosophy, the style, and whether you spend $10 million on, on a number nine or you spend $2 million on a number nine, it can really, at the end of the day, not make a difference depending on who that, that player is. Hani Mukhtar is a $2.5 million player. Exactly. You know, like, and I think that's the thing that it can sometimes get easy to look at price tags. And more and more in this league, we see those multi-million dollar price tags. And it's a good thing that teams and owners are saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to invest. Let's go get that player because the international market is competitive. You, if you don't, you know, Ultimately, a lot of times quality is, I mean, it costs. That's it's expensive. If you're, if you're buying a couch for your house or you're buying a number nine, like, you know, you might get a good $400 couch, but the vast majority, you're probably not going to be that happy with in a year. Can you tell I'm moving right now? That's, <laughs> can you tell I'm moving? But, Since um, your sales pitch to your wife. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, well, let's spend more than four. Let's get something good. <laughs> Our kids will destroy it, but uh, we'll be fine. Um, but yeah, the scouting part of it, I think, is an area of this league that's improving. Um, teams are figuring out and understanding what fits in their market, what fits in their team, and what that international market can give them, and where maybe these not so good deals are, where the good deals are, where the like iffy situations are. A lot of you know, we, you talk to GMs in this league, and they'll tell you, ten years ago, most of their transactions outside the league were coming from agents reaching out to them. Now it's very much that they're the ones out seeking players and they have the staff and the resources to do it. And those are the sort of changes and evolutions in major league soccer that are only going to drive us forward. And that's what I want to see from every team. You mentioned not everybody has to have the same approach. Preach, 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 find the right one for your market, lean into it, invest in the areas that will make you uh, best able to maximize your resources so that the product on the field is good, but that it's diverse. We don't need to have 29 teams that look the same, that play the same, that recruit the same, that develop players the same. That's absurd in a country our size, in a continent our size, to bring it to Canada as well. Find an approach that fits your place and, and lean into it. And if we do that, like the union have, like so many others have, uh, we're going to have a really strong, interesting, fun league. And I think we're already uh, on the way there. Yeah. And I think when you look specifically, let's talk about Minnesota United and, and some of the moves that they've made, some of the players in and some of the players out, not as many out maybe as far as key players as quality players and maybe depth coming in. Some of the players that moved on were depth players, you know, Ja'Cory Hayes, O'Neill Fisher, and of course, Tyler Miller moved on and hopefully he gets um, his starting job and, and some playing time in DC United. Cause I think he deserves it. Um, but you've got, you know, obviously, um, You've got Dane St. Clair who sort of cemented that starting goalkeeper position. But at the same time, you brought in some veteran goalkeepers like a Clint Irwin who said, I'm not here to be the backup goalie. I'm here to, you know, find my time and, and try to win that spot, which every coach and every team loves competition at different positions. When you look at Minnesota United, how they ended last year, some players that they have coming back from injury, Hassani Dotson, which is a, a massive piece to this puzzle. 
you know, Debassi, not sure how he's going to come back from the ruptured quad, which was just a crazy injury. Um, you know, he's going to work his tail off, but how does he actually come back? When does he come back? And some other guys that had some kind of niggling injuries throughout the season. Then you bring in some players, Daniel Henry, you know, a veteran center back. You bring in um, Zarek Valentin, a right back who can get up and down the outside if you play in that wing back, kind of outside back positioning. Where do you see the biggest need? Who needs to step up? What did you think of some of the signings that they they brought in? Well, I think it's it's smart coming into this year, and we talked about all the fronts that teams have to play on and how Philly are approaching that. I think Minnesota approached it in a similar way, sort of via free agency in the sense of like, okay, man, we're going to have to play a lot of games. How can we get players who understand the job but aren't going to be issues for us if they're not everyday starters? Zarek's that guy. He's a great yep. locker room guy. He still can play at a – uh, at a high level as well, but probably not a player that you're going to say, hey, you're going to be a 34-game starter for us. Uh, Danil is the same way. Somebody's got to get the best out of him. I hope it's Minnesota United. Um, they, they have a need. Debassi, you're right. I, that was a freak injury. I'm s- still so sad for him as well as the Loons because had that not happened, I mean, they're looking at a completely different end to 2022. But right now, you probably can't push all your chips in on him and bet on him. And so Danil's a good sort of holdover. If they can get this transfer done with Pachuca, and it, it sounds like uh, Miguel Tapias is going to be here, and he's a sort of in-prime center back, ton of experience in Liga MX. Pachuca's been very, very good the last few years. That is the sort of signing that when I look around the league and I'm like, did you correctly identify your needs? Were you able to go get a player that can make an impact immediately? Oh, and did you maximize resources at the same time because he's coming out of contract? He would fall right in that. And I just, out of curiosity... Uh, I just went and searched this because I was like, I swear, I know, I swear Pachuca was in Minnesota a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. 2019, guess who started on the back line for Pachuca against Minnesota United in a friendly, Miguel Tapias. And I wonder where that, uh, I wonder, I wonder if that was the beginning of the scouting on him uh, over time. I think he seems like a really good partner for Boxy. Um, so those are some good moves. I like that they're getting younger too. You look at Cameron Dunbar from yes. LA. That's another under sort of, appreciated way to improve your roster in this league just because a homegrown is signed by the team they've had the academy with doesn't mean that's where their career is going to be doesn't mean where that's where opportunity is doesn't mean that's where they fit best so I like teams that go out and look around and say okay I see a young player who's got potential but is not in the right situation let's bring him into our system see if we can get more out of him Cameron Dunbar I think is that Ryan Jibba is another interesting one again Mm -hmm. how do you maximize okay well clearly they're scouting USL League One to go to Check him out in Omaha. Curious what he can provide. This Swedish center back, uh, Michael Marquez, he's a stash and develop. But if you have Daniel Henry, if you get Tapias, you have time to do that. Um, I think the big question for Minnesota, for me now that they've addressed center back or have seemed to, and that to me was the big issue for them, right back seems short up. How Left you, back. Y- yeah. I mean, you Start got Kamara Lawrence, but... Yeah, left back's a question is still a bit of a question mark. I think I think that is still one. So I would think for them a winger and striker. And number mm-hmm. one is a striker. And I just it's been it's it's like you're sitting there rolling the dice over and over and you're just hoping to hit what, what you need. You're hoping not to crap out. And I'm not saying they've crapped out, I, I'm but I'm saying they haven't got on that heater, so to speak. And you know that Adrian Heath wants that. Lisa Maria has been good not great who knew was not the answer the other players they brought in have been not the answer it seems like they're going to go try to sign that player in this window 
I hope they find the answer because I think if you can find that nine to play in front of Reynoso and you have this window of just brilliance from your 10, if you can find that player, you're going to get more out of your wingers. You're going to, you're just going to raise the ceiling that you have. And for six to eight weeks a year, we see the, the loon ceiling when Reynoso's on just the insane form that he often gets onto. And the rest of the team is sort of forming around him. And that is that Minnesota United can be one of the best teams in major league soccer. Yeah, and I, I mean, how many seem to find that more consistently? I, that's what I want. One, how many times do you hear people and you talk to people around the league or outside of the league that watch this league and they talk about Emmanuel Reynoso and his brilliance on the ball and what he's capable of, but he still needs someone to finish that that product at the end of the day. And he attracts so much of attention, whether he has the ball or he doesn't have the ball, wherever he's making those runs, if he's finding this, you know, the space in the wide areas to be available and he drifts out and then you have those wingers that are good enough to cut in and be on the ball and kind of fill that void. You still have to have that number nine and it's also a little bit of trying to find what is the right number nine for the way they want to play. You know, do they want a player with that, you know, is posting up? Do they want him to spin and play off the shoulder? Do they want him to finish crosses, to finish services. They want someone to combine with. And I think sometimes, you know, just finding that consistency in the way they want to play, not that it can't change against the opposition and who you're playing against and how the other team is playing, how many center backs are playing. Are they a back four, a back five, a back, you know, three center backs? But at the end of the day, you have to have a nine that is going to finish one way or the other because you're getting chances created by Emmanuel Reynoso. And the you know, the hope, I think, is that it's not that like, hey, you're not trying to kick Lisa Maria to the side. No. You had a fine season last year. You want competition. That is that is this era of MLS. It's no longer sort of like, okay, well, you know, we've got these players. we got 11 starters. we got eight really good players. And then we figured out from there. And like those eight are automatically in the lineup. No, you injuries form things change matchup uh, competitions across the board fit they need to have two deep guys they can trust up top and on the wings as well which is why i think you you would look at a wing or two uh and and if you have those things all of a sudden again i, I talk about floor and ceiling your ceiling rises minnesota's floor to me personally playoff team if they yeah. are not a playoff team in 2023 that's a failure but how do you get the ceiling higher so that you're not just saying, hey, we made the playoffs and that's our accomplishment? How do you take it to that next level where you are a true trophy threat? You're either playing for one, you're winning one, or if you're not winning one based on your regular season form, people are saying, and look, that's the, you know, that's the price of being a good team. People are saying, hey, that was a playoff failure from you. You were so good that you didn't get it done. That's not acceptable. I mean, I think, I think Minnesota's in that category. They're, they're good enough to be a, a trophy winning team in MLS. Let's see it. Yeah. And I think they have enough versatility with how they want to play. I mean, they're solid in that center midfield position. You know, we talk about the number 10, but if you want to play will trap there, who, you know, is going to be consistent and just a solid veteran player. Then you've got Ariaga who brings a totally different dynamic. They resign Joseph Rosales, you know, then you bring in some wing and some speed. You've got Robin Lud. If you want to play that way, you've got Bungu Longwane, Hassani Dotson's back in the yeah. mix, you know? So they're not short in that area of, of players that can allow the team to play different ways. And even the wingers fragapani likes to cut in robin likes to cut in but long money can stretch the field does mender play in a wide up front position mender garcia or cameron what dunbar is mender garcia can i just throw that one out there <laughs> i'm not sure yet i don't think minnesota united fans are completely sure and that's okay he wasn't brought in to be like you know we're talking about hey this number nine needs to score goals like but mender garcia wasn't brought in to be the answer there was no pressure on him to be the dude but you do need to see progression you need to see improvement you know, we talk about maximizing rosters. 
part of that is when you sign a player, that is not the level they stay at. You need to be a club where the level you sign players is their starting point, and then they improve. So I want to see that from Minder Garcia uh, this year as well. I don't think you're the only one, but when you look at some of these rosters, so we can move on a little bit from Minnesota United because we understand what the expectation is. And I think, you know, for us as fans and analyzing the game, as well as internally, what the expectation is and the hope when you look at other Western conference teams. So people that are listening to this podcast and are familiar with sort of the foes of the Western conference, you talked about LAFC a little bit. We hit on LA galaxy just a bit. Who do you think will be most disappointed with the way they finished 2022 has the biggest upside for 2023 and not most disappointed because they finished last, you know, like at the San Jose earthquakes, but maybe just their standard, their quality. And who do we need to watch out for? If you're a Minnesota United fan. Hey, bad news, Loons fans. There's a bunch of Western conference teams that are crazy talented with big ambitions that finished below the playoff line last year and have been crazy busy in the transfer window or who are looking at their roster and saying, we're not going to be injured like we were last year. We're not going to be in the same place we were last year. And I would start with sort of the, a big two and 11th and 12th. We're just about to see the Seattle Sounders go to Morocco to play in the Club World Cup. This is a team we know that their highest level is winning Champions League, is winning MLS Cups. It's largely unchanged, that roster, as it pertains to the core of it. You just saw Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan sign new deals. Ladero Rudia is still there. The depth, the quality, unquestioned. And yet here they are, 41 points down in 11th place. They're not going to miss the playoffs again this year. So, okay, top seven teams in the West. Snap your fingers. One of you are going down. One of you are going down, straight up. I think the same for Kansas City. Kansas mm-hmm. City, you saw the moves they made in the summer. Their form was so much better. They need help at center back still. And if I was Peter Vermees, I'd be looking up at Adrian uh, up the highway being like, dang, you got this topiest guy? I really could have used him. They need to find center back help, but as far as a team that can that can keep the ball, that can create chances, that can score goals, watch out for them. I think the Colorado Rapids have had a sneaky offseason, especially of late, a flurry of moved, experienced players, players that should help them sort of turn things around. They were not – that roster is better than 43 points last year. I don't know that they're a second-place team like they showed prior to that, but they're squarely, in my opinion, a competitive team for the playoffs. Vancouver, Portland, same deal. Houston, San Jose, wild cards. I don't (laughs) think the playoffs are their expectations. But there are five teams below the line in the West last year that all have reason to believe we should be much better this year and we should be knocking one of you seven teams that we're in down a peg. I mean, Portland, Evander's going to be one of the most exciting players to watch in the league this year. He was an absolute boss in Europa League and in Denmark. People in Denmark said he is much better than Hani Mukhtar. If he is much better than Hani Mukhtar... And that is your dominant MVP last year and second place the year before that. Hello. <laughs> I mean, those are the margins that those are the margins that you're playing with in MLS these days. And it's it's really exciting. I remember years where you got a couple million, like two million dollar signings. We were hyping them up for three weeks. We had nothing else to talk about. <laughs> we're at the point now where you have six million dollar players that get signed by the champions. LAFC go sign this creation kid. We just don't even talk about it because it's just like one of one of a flood. So uh, that's that's competition. It's a good thing for the league. It's a good thing for coaches, players, and it's definitely a good thing for those of us that like to watch it. What I, what I love about it, too, is as this league continues to grow and just continues to the quality continues to rise, teams are coming in, you know, you know, cities are vying for teams, clamoring for teams. 
to be a part of it. And you see the fan bases around around the country, around North America, for that fact. And then you look at, you know, you just talked about some of these international signings and, and the multi-million dollars that are being spent and the talk that's happening in some of these other countries of players that want to come here and be a part of this. But then you also have this incredible MLS veteran base that you lean on and you understand. And, and if a, most good coaches, it seems like, understand the balance of that. You need your MLS vets. You need the guys that have been in this league, played in this league, understand the travel of this league, the style of this league with the combination of some of that international flair and quality. So it's like you've got kind of the best of both worlds sort of melding together. I mean, look at LAFC last year. What did they do in their transfer window, the winter transfer window? They went and traded for four or five guys that were dead to rights, all-star caliber MLS players. You know, and look, they went and got Denise Buanga, and they have obviously Carlos Vela and, you know, Sifu and Diego Palacios, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's the Kellen Acostas, the Cripos, the Ryan Hollingsheads. Sanchez, um, even, yeah. who had been in the league for a while, yeah, you know. give you, you know, I mean, Arango, if they don't keep him, I, I, I'd be shocked. But that's another story. Your your readers could, look, just come to Extra Time. We do all this stuff. <laughs> uh, and we have a great time doing it. But, um, yeah, you got to have a mix. And, and if you don't have the mix, you will not be playing uh, in money time. And if you're not playing in money time in this league, in the playoffs, every team has reason to look, look at themselves and say, that's not good enough. Uh, and and, you know, the bigger the league gets, the more teams are going to be looking at that and having to improve. So, uh, Minnesota, I know you're ex- you're used to being there, but you were on the brink last year. You were on the brink. So get that nine, get that winger, play up to your potential. Otherwise, you might be one of those teams falling below the line. And I don't want that. Yeah, no, they don't. And I, I last but not least, this will be the last thing I asked you because I know we 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 got to move on here and you've got stuff to do, too. You're packing and moving. And, and of course, you want to golf on, on Friday. So. We got to get that under no, underway. I'm not supposed to put that. Up here. I'm <laughs> hey, off, that's I'm fine. Off. Are you good. kidding me? There's no, nothing I'm wrong. Not, there's nothing wrong there's, with there's that. There's nothing the wrong ground. with that. My, my yeah, dreams yeah. are dead. <laughs> my dreams are dead. Um, but when you look at some of the the coaching carousel that sort of still continues, and whether it's you know a, a coach that's in it maybe just a second year, you could talk about Wayne Rooney coming in in the midst of the season and what he's going to accomplish or not accomplish. The quick change that was made in Houston, you've got Lucio Gonzalez going to San Jose, you've got you know changes in Columbus. Is there any one particular that when a coach was signed, not necessarily fired, but coach was signed, you're like, wow, that's going to be an interesting mix. That's going to be an interesting mix mm. with that coach in that city. And I know we didn't talk about this pre-production, but anything oh, that really you. like, okay. Oh, I got one straight off the top. Hernan Losada in Montreal. Mm. That was interesting. Very interesting. I really like Hernan's soccer ideas. I think that the way that he had his DC team playing before uh, it all went south for him there was very, very interesting. And he had them on a good track. I mean, there's a level of intensity that he's asking for that um, caused some issues and some, uh, let's say, some friction there and, and is why he was no longer the DC coach. So to see him back in the league so quickly, I was a little bit, I was a little surprised. Um, But I think that if he has taken some lessons from that DC time, if he has the right staff around him and Laurent Simon is with him in in Montreal, who knows sort of the culture of the club, the culture of the players, I think that he could be super successful. What about that roster that he's dealing with though? Well, it's been gutted a little bit, but that's the Montreal way. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they're going to they're going to try to buy players within the league and, and Minnesota United fans can see this as well with Mason Toy that they think have more potential, more ability than they're showing in their current spot and get the most out of them. There is a turnover there. 
But I think Lasada likes projects. I think he likes to play young players. The academy in Montreal is very good. They have some really, really good young players coming up. We already saw with, you know, look, Ismail Kone, really nobody outside of Montreal knew who he was two years ago. And he just got sold to the championship to Watford, to a team that's, you know, on the way to promotion perhaps for $8 million. Uh, there is talent to work with in Montreal. They are trying to work on the margins to figure out how to get players in that they can turn into something more, whether it be a Georgie or a Alistair Johnson, et cetera. I'm just really fascinated to see how they'll do. They were second last year. It was a, a wonderful fairy tale season for CF Montreal. Where will they end up this year? How will Hernan Lasada be in his second stint in the league? To me, that's the most interesting one. Um, and also, I would just have to shout out uh, Wilfred Nance. Yeah. I think it's a perfect fit for him in Columbus. So I'm just, uh, he's got more resources. He's got a little bit more stability. He made a move um, that I think could be the harbinger of things to come, which is like MLS teams should be trying to recruit coaches within the league that they see are good coaches. In every other league in the world, we see this. If you're a coach that, that like takes a, a team from the bottom and moves them up, a top team's trying to come get you. There's no reason why the coaching market in MLS can't be as competitive as the player market. Uh, and I just think the more that we put coaches in the best possible positions for them to get the most out of their projects, the better our league will be. So I want to see if he can do that in Columbus. Yeah, I was a little surprised there wasn't more chatter about Lasada getting that job just with all the things that started to come out about his time with DC United. But, you know, it's just so hard to say uh, with all the social media and all the different 24 hour news cycles these days, what, what is going on and what's not, because some of the stories that had come out at the time, you're like, Whoa, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. You know, what was going on in DC separate from even the soccer, the yeah, other yeah. things that were going on in the way in the culture, but that he's those, got this opportunity. Those, no, no, no. He was asking a lot of his players, um, let's say from a physical standpoint. Um, and there was some pushback on that. Um, and like I said, you know, I think he's probably learned, Yep. A lesson or two. And if he hasn't, he won't last long in, in Montreal. Um, but I think I think he's a smart guy. He's a driven guy. I think he I think he's learned those things. And if if, if Montreal didn't think he did, I don't think he'd be hired. I'll throw out one more in the Western Conference just because you guys are in the West. Ben Olsen in Houston. Oh, to yeah. Go back to the D.C. one. I, I was a little bit shocked about that one. But Houston are looking for stability. They're looking for, again, to talk about floors and ceilings, a guy that can raise their floor. Uh, we'll see. They've made a lot of moves. They, I mean, they're the, it seems like they're on short leashes there, though. You know, I mean, that's he still has, you know, the roster. And, you know, I, I just feel like, OK, if you're going to make a, a coaching change, then how much time do you give that coach to really affect what's happening on, on the pitch with the roster that you have? You know, I I don't I, know. I don't disagree, but uh, I, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I, that's a good one to, to give for Houston and the Dynamo. We will see. Um, and last but not least, we just we should probably give a shout as we're talking about MLS. There's this January camp going on and United States men play Serbia tonight. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of MLSers that have been called into that camp. And I'm interested to see how how they do and who gets on the pitch and how they look. And uh, if Brad and Vasquez scores a couple goals and we can all speculate about if you should have been at the World Cup or not. You know, we don't like to look backwards, but I, I'm excited for what's going to happen in this January camp for some of those guys to prove themselves. Yeah, give me Vasquez. I want to see Zendejas on the field. Absolutely. I'd like to see a little bit of Paxton Aronson. I yeah. thought that Eric Williamson had a shout to be on the World Cup team, but um, he'll get another opportunity here. And then just just for fun, Julian Gressel, a guy we've watched yeah. in MLS for a long time, just to see how he looks in uh, red, white, and blue. Should be yep. fun. Should yep, be fun. should be good. Um, and, and I just want to give another shout to the MLS season pass. I know we're, we're going to be 
on it and uh, all the coverage you could possibly want if you're a soccer fan is there with channels and podcasts and interviews and videos and games and everything else. So if you haven't gotten the, uh, if you haven't logged on and gotten that subscription yet, I, I highly recommend it because I think it's going to be quite the year with consistent game times, consistent days, every matchup. I know when I saw Robin Lud, um, his dad was in town last year from Finland and he stopped by our, our pregame um, set and he was like, oh, I really enjoy listening to you and Cal, but I have to stream it illegally at home. I can't wait to be able to just watch it yeah. and, and with ease and internationally kind of continue to grow the game for the league. So that'll be pretty awesome. Yep. February 1st is when it launches. We did a bunch of interviews in San Jose with players from every team, including Robin Ludd. So you can catch those on February 1st on MLS season. Nice. Pass. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, Andrew. Ruby. I know you're incredibly busy. I know you've got your head dive, you know, deep down in the MLS transfer window conversations, preseason, everything else. So I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. I'm going back to bed. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Adios. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. And everybody, don't forget, we got uh, Sean Buckley coming up next right here on Sound of the Loons. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Of course, this is Kinder D. St. Alban, and this time I have the pleasure of being joined by Sean Buckley. You know, sometimes I, I want to get this right, because we could say you're the head of sports science, which some people might not even know what that means. We could say your strength and conditioning. I mean, there's probably like seven or eight to ten different titles. But how do you view yourself, Sean, before we really dig into what the what the offseason and the preseason looks like for you? That is a, a great question because sometimes I don't even feel super comfortable with the term, you know, sports science and what I do. I feel I'm a, a football, soccer performance specialist, you know, trying to trying to uh, trying to improve the football performance of players through strength training, speed conditioning type training. So obviously it includes strength conditioning, but I consider all around, you know, soccer performance because I also implement you know, skills, uh, soccer skills, conditioning with the ball, these type of things. So I, I call it soccer performance specialist. But I kind of feel like we could throw in like sports psychologist, motivator, because, you know, really all encompassing. And if we go back to, uh, you know, what the off season looks like, and then especially probably during preseason and, and even during the season, there's ebbs and flows to what the season looks like and what you're trying to get out of these guys during some of the grind. Some of the guys who are injured coming back from injury, they want to do things. They think they could do things. You're working with the training staff. So it's sort of like all encompassing. Um, you probably check off like 10 or 12 boxes of what you sort of accomplish on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah, for sure. This sports psychologist, absolutely. And, you know, it's really important to understand not just the team as a whole, but who the individuals are, you know, what they're about. Are they, you know, sort of a, a you know, high work rate, high work ethic type of player? Or is this a guy you kind of have to squeeze as much juice out of as you possibly can? 
uh, and just kind of know, you know, where to get them again. You're not going to, you're not going to make a, a two or three guy a 10, but if we can get that guy to a six or seven, that's perfect. But you know, the one thing that I've learned over the years is just trying to know, trying to get to know as much as you can about each individual guy, how they work, what they like, what they don't like, and just try to get as much out of them as, as possible. Now that said, sometimes you just leave the high performing, you know, uh, high motivation guys alone because, you know, I know I don't have to go with a, a, a will trap and pump him up and get him going. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not sitting there, you know, ah, let's go. Let's go. I, I know. I just kind of leave those guys alone. It's the other guys that you gotta, you know, get going. But speaking of the grind last year was a long season. I mean, every season really, to be honest, is a long season in the sense that it's 10 months or, you know, how, what you guys are enduring the different activities. You've got us open cup this year, you've got leagues cup. So there's all these other things in the midst. You have some guys who are going away on international duty. So when the grind of last season was over after that last playoff game, it's not like your season ends, guys go home and you're free. But once that does happen and you sort of disconnect, how do you disconnect? What's your sort of rejuvenation process? How do you kind of revamp and, and get back into the passionate side of things after a long season? Yeah, well, me, I mean, me personally, taking a few weeks off with really trying not to even, uh, you know, think much about uh, what we're doing uh, in terms of getting ready. We have a number of months. So, you know, I took, I personally took three weeks and just, went off, went back to Arizona, um, uh, you know, enjoyed again, the sun, this type of thing. However, uh, always in contact with, with our guys, because from even months before the season ended, I had their off season workout ready to go, but it takes time to load up and I use a online app. So, uh, once that time comes, they have the, their workout in the app, but it takes a, you know, thinking eight weeks of a program, eight, whatever it ended up being eight to 12 weeks of a program building that out and then just sort of now go and just answer any questions along the way. But yeah, me, I mean, me personally, I just kind of wanted to, you know, leave, see family, go back to where I'm from, enjoy some sun. It was good. Makes it easy to get back. Yeah, it does. I think I kind of feel like when you come back, then it's sort of like the first day of school. And even when I talked to Manny Lagos, when I talked to Will Trapp, when I talked to Adrian Heath, you know, in a couple of these beginning of the season podcasts, you do sort of get that jittery. And then when you guys come back to NSC, when you as a staff are back there, it's still kind of a ghost town before guys really start funneling back in. And then the place kind of comes to life. So yeah. what is that like for you in those first few days when people start coming back in, you're seeing guys in person that you haven't seen, you know, in, in a couple months now, what is that like for you when you get everybody back in and going again? This time it was funny. It felt like it hadn't been that long to be honest, but I, you know, this was the first uh, time I'd actually been with a team uh, where the season lasted so long because all the other uh, teams I've been with Mexican clubs the season lasts for five months and then you're off for 10 days and then it pull me right back into it. Um, so you do have a chance, you know, those guys go away and then they come back and they go away and then there's change of players, player personnel. But this has seemed like, you know, we were together with these guys for so long. And when they came back, I'm like, Oh, already. All right, here we go. <laughs> Speaking of that though, during the off season, you send those guys their plan how much and how are you able to keep track of what they are or are not doing? Or once you send it to them, is it kind of like, look, 
this is on you. I mean, you're an adult. This is your personal responsibility and accountability to come back fit and ready to go based on what we've given you. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the message that we send out at the end of the, at the end of the season. Uh, and then multiple times throughout the, the vacation period, but it, it is that I do see, I can see who's logging on. I can see who's uh, who is properly logging uh, their workouts. They give me a rating of perceived exertion. Uh, and, you know, to be fair, there's guys that just kind of do their own thing. They feel comfortable with their own thing. There's a number of guys that do follow the program that I send them. Either way, they need to come back ready to go. Preseason is not to get in shape. Preseason is only to get ready to play, but they have to be in shape coming into preseason. This is just sort of, you know, the final, you know, polish thing them off to get ready for the season to begin, so to speak. Uh, it, it's critical that they come back. And first thing out of the gate, we have them do a uh, the 30, 15 uh, aerobic interval beep test. And we see day one, who's who, what, what have you done? You know, and you can tell right away who's worked, who hasn't worked easy. Do you think sometimes with the, the younger players, the rookies, the, the draftees, whatever it might be, do they have a, do they come in more fit or less fit? Because I mean, I would think I'd be scared to death to not come in shape. I mean, being, I go back to freshman day of college, you know, when you were new, you were going to be tested and you're going to have these fitness tests. Like the last thing you want to do is get beaten by a veteran, you know, Michael Boxer, Will Trap, even those guys are in incredible shape and they're in, immaculate in the way they take care of themselves and make sure that they're ready to go. You want to come in and impress as a youngster, but what, what side of the coin do you see more often from the young, young guys? <clears throat> You, you get a bit of both. You get a bit of both. Um, but there uh, are always a few young guys that will surprise you with how how out of shape they come. Uh, just because they haven't been there. They haven't been through it. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of these guys know how to work. I don't think they know what to do with their with their time off, how to prepare, the fact that they need to be you know, prepared. And so you get, I mean, last year we all did the same thing. We did the 3015 beep test. And we also started off with just some straight uh, runs of 800 meters, 400, 600, 200 meters. And there were a couple of young guys that were just dead, dead. And to me, it's mind boggling, but, you know, playing devil's advocate. Okay. They're young guys. They haven't learned how to, uh, how to train it. You hope that in the, you know, in the future moving forward that, well, now they've learned you would hope. One well, is that hard too, because you don't have, you don't have your hands on them yet. You don't have the ability to give them the training schedule and regimen that you want them to prepare for. It's even different than when you, when they entered college and they had signed and they knew where they were going and your team, sometimes in college, now that you join in spring, you know, yeah. so like you have that regiment, you know, what you can do and ask of these players and the players know what's expected of them. Whereas with preseason at the professional level, aside from it just being next level in all aspects from a fitness perspective, you haven't had the opportunity to kind of get your hands on them yet. Yeah. And there's also, there's a, you know, there's a bit of a cultural element to it as well. You know, we have some, you know, Latin American guys, Central American guys, and uh, kind of those, those younger Latin players. I don't think, you know, they didn't go through a college program uh, so, you know, they've just been through whatever their, whatever club they came up playing for, uh, and that's all they've done. So again, if they're not, uh, if they don't go back, if they're not training and there's not someone holding their hand, guiding them along, 
uh, you know, a lot of them are, are ready. Now they, you know, all of them had access to the off season program. Like I say, a lot of guys did the off season program and anyone that did that off season program, they would at least be ready to start preseason. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but if, if you followed it step by step, it takes you all the way up till our, our first day. Well, it's funny that you said that too, because you can see when guys are logging in or checking in or whatever. But I, I, when you said that, I, I was thinking of the comparison of when I go to the gym and you see some people that walk in and scan their card and walk out because they get like a discount on health insurance or something if they get a certain right. amount of, you sure. know, appearances at the gym. But you know if they've actually done the workout mm. and logged it rather than just checked in, right. you can tell the difference. There, there, there are a couple, a couple guys that I would see, and I can see the last time they logged in. And if it says zero days, meaning okay, they've logged in today. It's been zero days since their, lo- their last login. But then when I look, and they haven't checked off any of the exercises, so now it's got now it has me thinking. Okay, did they look at it and do it, but not you know check off they did it, or what's going on, or are they going to the health club, you know, punching in and walking out the door? It makes me wonder. Well, you'll know, right, when they show up on, you know, right. January 6th or whatever date is. So they can say whatever they want, right? But you know the difference when they walk into the actual facility and have to perform those tests. If you didn't study for the exam, you're not going to pass, clearly. I, I experienced that plenty of times in college from a from a soccer level and from an educational level at the same time. So yeah, me too. I checked both those boxes. <laughs> So who did come in in the best shape, if you can give us? And and I, we all know, for the most part, anybody who's probably listening to this podcast knows what a beep test is. And I know that Andy Greeter just did an article recently. It was kind of referencing Michael Boxel's reaction when he got his text message from you saying, hey, be ready for the beep test. And almost everybody who's ever played soccer has done a beep test at some point yeah. in their life, maybe a different version of it. But is it mind over matter? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it both? What Like, what do you peg at the end of the day? Yeah, you know, again, if you've studied for the test or if you've trained hard, then it, it's not going to be challenging. Now, it is a it is a maximal effort test, meaning there will be a point where you can no longer continue the test. The way the one works that we do, it's thirty fifteen. Uh, it starts at uh, ten kilometers per hour, and every stage it increases half a kilometer per hour over thirty seconds, fifteen seconds rest. So. Every stage is a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster until you, you know, done. You don't, you don't three strikes, you're out, or until you say that's it, I'm done, which tends to be the case. You really, you know, you know where you can go. Um, and but I do think it's important to let them know tomorrow you have this. You know, get mentally prepared because there's nothing worse than showing up and then telling guys, oh, we're doing this. Oh, really? When? Now? Right now? Uh, no. So let them get mentally prepared. Let them make sure they get plenty of sleep, make sure they've eaten properly. Uh, they're ready to go. And, you know, to be honest, there were a couple guys that came in really good. And, you know, they asked me on the outset, oh, well, you know, what's a good what's a good stage? What's a good basically speed is how it works. Right. So your final score is the the last speed that you were able to that you were able to do. So, you know, I kind of you know, say eh, it's about eh. It's about 20, give or take at 20 if you're right. And actually worked out that our average 20 bang right on, right on. So we had a few guys above 20, a lot of guys right at 19.5, uh, 20 kilometers an hour. But, you know, again, the, 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 the best one will trap is always up there. 
Uh, a couple guys surprised me a bit that really came in fit. Luis Amarilla was, mm-hmm. I think, up there as well, 21.5. Um, uh, Mender also mm-hmm. came in super fit. He was up there. He also surprised me on the vertical jump. We do a squat test. Fantastic. Um, you know, you know, DJ's always you know, flying back and forth. He's, you know, around 20 or slightly over. Uh, I, I was very pleased with uh, with a number of those guys. And what we're going to try to do is at the end of preseason, uh, we're going to replicate the test, do it again, or sometime thereafter, and then see how we did in the preseason and see if, you know, got a little bit better in this uh, in this preseason. Is there a minimal amount that guys have to reach or they're going to have to like retake it again sooner? Or is there not that case and you just kind of have to live with the consequences of being exhausted and out of shape until you get in shape? Yeah, for, I mean, for the most part, but for us, it's a good indicator, uh, you know, a uh, red flag for some, some, some guys that, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got, uh, we got a problem here. Right. And this is, you know, again, like I said, I'm not worried about a guy like Will Trap or, you know, Luis, DJ, these type of guys. But if someone pops up that's that steps out a lot earlier than we expected, uh, we said, uh oh, we got uh we got some extra, we got some extra work to do with this guy. And it's right there. It's the first day we can see it. Now, some of it is position based. Uh, you don't necessarily expect, you know, a center back to you know, be the the number one guy on the the thirty fifteen. Nor do you necessarily need him to be, but we'd like to see him right around that average. But if you got guys that are you know stepping out, you know seventeen, eighteen, you're like, oh boy, here we go, and figure out hey what's going on here, and really get with those guys and get extra work in. To me, that's that's probably the most important thing is to see which guys stand out, which guys need extra work, extra help, and get them caught up as soon as possible. Have you ever had a goalie volunteer to participate in the test if they didn't need to? Never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Uh, one thing a goalie hates is running, you know, <laughs> and doing a 30-15 test. As, as far as I know, and I've run different ones, I've, I've never even had one do it. I've never had one do it. I just thought, you know, maybe they get sick of being mocked all the time. And cause you know, I've been around for the beep test for sure with Minnesota United the past six seasons. And you know, like other guys are kind of ripping on them and making fun of them. And the goalies are over there sort of chastising and sarcastically cheering everybody on. So I just didn't know if there was some goalie that stepped in and was like, screw this, you know, I'm, I'm going to step in and show these guys that I can actually run a little bit. Never seen it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe maybe won't happen in our lifetimes, but you know, you know, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised at some point. Uh, I always thought goalies had a screw loose, but maybe they actually have it figured out because they don't have to do the fitness. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a it's a good point. But I will say they all have a screw loose. (laughs) It's a combination of the two Um, from a psychological standpoint. When you look at and I know you're not actually a sports psychologist, that's not your your you know, your background. But I've seen you at training and balancing that balancing act of pushing guys, you know, lifting guys up, motivating versus hard you know, pushing each guy is different. How big is it to be in year number two with essentially the same group of guys and coaching staff and training staff? How much does that make a difference for you in looking at this season? It's it, it makes quite a bit of difference. Um, you know, uh, in years past, I'd worked with uh, with the same coaching staff for a number of years, and you know, most most of the things we did were just were, were nonverbal. We knew what we were doing. I knew what the coach wanted. I knew kind of 
the beats of what he was looking for, his style of play, his style of training, his style of motivation, and then to now come to a different coaching staff and have to, you know, last year is what I'm talking about, you know, really learn what the coach is looking for, really learn what the, you know, what the coach is about. Um, and, uh, you know, with a year under my belt, it's made, it's made a huge difference. You know, I know he wants things dynamic. I know the coach wants things to be fast. I know, you know, he, he wants players to work hard, to run, 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 uh, you know, to be, to be, um, physically more prepared than our, than our rivals. Cause again, that's the style of play that we play. We play fast. We play, we play direct, we go hard. Um, uh, and we try to get to a goal as quickly as possible. And when we have to run back and cover and then go again and up and back and up and back, you know, where, you know, I have worked on coaching staffs that want, you know, more possession based type of thing. And for that, you, you train a little different, but you know, now I understand. And, uh, uh, it didn't take me long to be honest. Last preseason, I figured it out, but you know, over the course of the year, even, you know, what type of warmups he likes to do and how, you know, what he's going to do and what I need to do to prepare them for their first drill, first exercise to make sure they're, you know, they're shot out of a cannon once they get to the coach. What about the individuals as far as what they need? Because I remember there were some times last year when some of the older, more veteran guys like a Kamar, uh, like, a, you know, a, a Will Trap even or Michael Box on there. They're the the guys that played the night before 90 minutes. And so they're not doing the same activities the day after a game or when they return from a road trip and they're jogging around the field trying to get loose. How do you balance just each individual, not even from a um, an injury standpoint, but just from the load on their bodies? And how much does the sports science information that you have now affect how you train different guys? Yes. So typically you're, 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 you're managing for the most part, you're managing two groups of guys. You're managing guys that are week in, week out playing the entire game. Right. So they have, you know, they have a load uh, that's typically greater than the players that are not playing in those games or not starting. So, you know, one, we have to make sure that that, that extra loads not causing, you know, injuries you know especially soft tissue injuries type of thing so prepare preventative exercises uh uh regen sessions that type of thing and then worry about the guys that aren't playing the guys that aren't getting the same reps um and and try to match uh those loads as much as you can uh, there's nothing like 11 v 11 official game full field you know in terms of a training stimulus it's 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 almost impossible to get the same training stimulus without it being an actual game, right? So the ones I really worry about, the ones I really focus in on are those guys that aren't playing because at some point they will be called on to play and they will be called on to, who knows, from one day to the other, play 90 minutes because someone's become injured or someone has been uh, suspended a game. And now, boom, there you go. This is, which is why I always tell those guys, I said, Hey, don't, you know, don't think you're not going to be called on to play. Everyone's called on to play. And this is every team I've ever worked for. Everyone gets an opportunity. Everyone's going to have that moment, whether you expect it or don't expect it. Next thing you know, they're going to be calling you over. They're giving you the uniform and now you're in whether you expect it or not. So be ready. 
And the other thing is, too, is when you look at um, what is asked of, of these guys on a daily basis versus over a season versus week to week. Some some weeks are crazy with, you know, two two or three games in seven days. And some are, you know, you have these long stretches or some of these guys are traveling, especially when they were on international duty and they're going away in the middle of the year. When you see even positionally them changing Robin Lud going from a winger an attacking winger to a central midfielder. Does that change at all his his load and what you do in a week? Or do those guys kind of, are there some guys that just know their body so well that they can sort of communicate to you, this is what I need today? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting uh, uh, example. I mean, I, I think he's one that definitely knows, you know, he knows how to train. He knows how to take care of himself. He knows how to get ready. Uh, now, that that's also a, a change from a winger to a defensive mid, which – if you're going to make a change, that's the change you want to make as opposed to the opposite, right? A defensive mid, and now you're going to go to a winger if you've been playing defensive mid the whole time. So maybe, you know, uh, as a winger, maybe you're not, you know, the distance isn't as great, but your high-speed running is much greater. Your sprint distance is much greater. So the physical demand may be a little higher as opposed to going going the other way. When but, you look yeah. at but yeah, you're. I mean, your example. You're exactly right. If there is a change in position, you have to take that into consideration. Do you think there's too much information now with sports science, or do you welcome the information that you guys can track? Um, I welcome the information, but to me, it's it's probably uh, my experience and the reps that I have working with teams and players is probably more important. You know, it. It, it, they're good tools to have all of the, you know, everything we get from, from our testing protocols, the GPS is, is great information. And all I do is use that to then make decisions uh, about things that for the most part, I already know. Well, I just want to say, I know when I had Manny on like the first podcast of the year, he gets like giddy and excited. He said he misses the fitness. And I said, Hey, I'm sure if you put together a staff beep test, you know, you might have some takers. And then I asked Adrian, every preseason, Adrian gets back on the bike, you know, back on the elliptical, gets kind of back in. And he's like, if you knew the off season I had, you know, you would think I'd need to get on the bike too. And I, but he kind of tails off. So I'm going to put the responsibility on you, A, to have a staff fitness test, which is great now that I'm not there because I don't have to be considered for it. And B, to make sure that, you know, Adrian stays on, on task this year, the entire season. There's not, that's not bad. I think I would have to have a, a bit of a run up to it. <laughs> you know, let, allow people to get prepared. A lot of hammies. Probably, and probably see, I'm probably some type of prize involved, you know, the, you know, first place, second place, third place type of thing. I remember you. I remember you talking about some of the motivational things you had to do in some of the other leagues in Mexico that you had to work. And, and when the, you mm. do the friendly competitions, this is a point we don't even hit on. When you have these warm-ups and you're trying to switch up and you've had a lot of training sessions, a lot of practice, and you make everything a competition within the group to keep them motivated, is that also just building off your experience of knowing what keeps these guys going on those tough days? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, uh, you know, you, after all, it's a game. They got into it uh, because it was a game, because it was fun. And now now it's turned into something else. It's turned into a profession. It's turned into, you know, a way to, you know, make a living type of thing. But that's not how it starts. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure there's any kid out there that uh, was convinced by their parents when they're five or six years old to start playing 
the sport because because you you, know, you could make a lot of money in the future and nah, nah, because it was a game they enjoyed it it was fun so you know ultimately they're still kids everyone wants to have fun so you know whenever i can just kind of slide something in there in a warm up make it fun competition with relays type of thing make it fun because they're actually going to you know put forth a lot more effort in a relay you know if there's a first place second place third place type of thing yeah, I always love the razzing and you just got to keep an eye on everybody to see who's cheating, you know, who's yeah. who's shaving points, who's, you yes. know, adding some extra things on there. They're you're, you're, they're using Saul a little bit, you know, to their advantage, trying to get him to count in favor of them. I, I've seen it all. So you got to keep track oh, yes. of all that. Yeah, yeah. Make sure that the first place team isn't the, you know, the top cheater type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, enjoy, uh, enjoy preseason. I know you've got a long, uh, long grind ahead of you here. I'm sure you guys are doing two today, two days and gym sessions and this session and that and yeah. mixing in games and traveling. I, I think you guys are still in Florida, but I know you're heading other places. Yeah. So appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure we'll check in with you again. Uh, enjoy the Absolutely. sunshine. It is not sunny here today in Minnesota. <laughs> we had, we had sun for like an hour this morning and then it went yeah. away. So. Oh no, I'm trying, I'm trying to soak it in. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> well, good to chat, Sean. I appreciate Thank it. You. Have a great day. Thank you. Appreciate it.